tuned in to the Cosmic Combos podcast, your number one source for accurate, relevant, and thought-provoking astrological conversations in the podcast nation, the place where stars and minds align. Peace. You're now tuning to the Cosmic Convos Podcast. I'm your humble host, Herr Root, and I got my good brother over here. Brother Ra, how you doing? My brother, happy to be alive. How about yourself? Hey, man. No complaints. No complaints, man. Just, you know, like I said, trying to get better every day, you know, and, um, you know, trying to get like you, man, trying, trying to you know, get trying to trying to get like you know a few more decades of knowledge in me real quick, man. I just <laughs> I just <laughs> whole thing, man. <laughs> You're on your way, brother. You're definitely on your way, man. Indeed, indeed, indeed. But um, you know, as always, before we get too far, I want to remind you all to like, subscribe, and share this episode um to all your peoples, all your outlets, and different things like that. And um, you know, want to let you know who's bringing this podcast to you. So we got um, this podcast is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Cala Perusha Astrology and our good people over there on Patreon. Big up to the patrons out there. Definitely holding it down. Definitely, definitely doing their thing and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we dropped a little little special Patreon show, man. So, uh, you know, if you're a patron, make sure you definitely go check that out. We had a couple people on there live and stuff like that. And we had a good time. So uh, definitely tune out to that. But, um, you know, you can find us on Instagram at Cosmic Convo. That's C-O-S-M-I-C-C-O-N-V-O on Instagram. And on there, you hit the link in the profile. You can get to all of our different outlets. Um, Brother Ra, how can the people get a hold of you? Uh, definitely. You can hit me up on uh, Astrology at gmail.com or you can hit me up either Facebook or IG via Shechem Ra. One of those three will definitely get at me. Indeed, 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 indeed. And I want to send a special shout out to all the people that's tuning in live right now. You know, we've been working with this new platform and stuff, not new platform, but new, um, you know, format, new format for the show. Um, so, you know, feel free to drop your comments. Like last week you saw, we answered a question on here and then, um, you know, pretty soon we'll, we'll start, uh, let people roll in here and we'll, you know, take some live callers on here or whatnot, you know, make the show real interactive. So, um, definitely take advantage of this. So I appreciate y'all coming, checking us out. No, we run a little behind, but you know, we um we navigating this thing, you know, navigating this plane or whatnot, you know. But um indeed, man. So um 
you know, here we are. We're at episode 78. Episode three of season four, man. Uh, how you how you feel about that? Wow, man. It's been a long road, brother. And we got a long way to go. So, you know, but I'm enjoying the journey. Definitely enjoying the journey, man. Likewise, likewise, man. You know, we're you know, we're all we're constantly, you know, um molding the show, changing this, changing a little of that, different things like that and stuff like that, man. So it's um definitely um definitely fun. Indeed, man. And, you know, I like, I'm, you know, real um, eager to see, you know, what we're going to look like sitting at episode 100 and, you know, 200 and beyond or stuff like that, you know, being being a whole nother stratosphere by that time. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, for real. <laughs> yes, sir. Indeed. 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 Um, so, um, you know, I don't I don't really have any um, questions from Patreon right now. Again, you know, if you're interested in, you know, uh, having us answer questions and stuff like that at the beginning of the show, um, Patreon is the way that you do that. Um, so you could drop notes, drop, drop us a note on Patreon and stuff like that. We can answer it there and then uh, answer it on um, on the air as well or whatnot. So definitely uh, take advantage of that. Roz, anything that you wanted to go over before we um, got in? I know right now, I mean... Just had that eclipse um, early this past morning or whatnot. Um, you know, we talked about the eclipse a little bit, but, you know, just we were still kind of it's a little past the full moon, but we're still in that same that same realm. So we're still feeling it right now. You got anything you want to impart on the people before we jump in today's subject, today's episode? Yeah, you know, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, and uh you know, going forward, just to advise the people, you know, just be careful with eclipses. Uh, you don't want to take them lightly in regards to the inimical forces that they do imbue. So, word to the wise, um, just don't go out and try to view the eclipse as if it's something to watch or a, spectac- uh, a spectacle to behold, uh, to behold, because those forces can have adverse effects many times on uh, levels of energy uh, or chi uh, in your body. So just uh, work to the wise, you know, when those eclipses happen, full, I'm talking about solar eclipses as well, just a good time to do spiritual practices and really focus yourself on um, things that you can do to improve uh, and uh, and better your life. But definitely don't go out partying, having fun, you know, doing the common Western thing of, you know, taking what I guess, what do they have at the thing where they can see it on the ground and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just not a wise move uh, move to make, uh, knowing the nature of these forces. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, yeah, you're not even really supposed to be outside when they happen. And when they do, I mean, this especially at night, if you catch an eclipse at night, man, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a kind of freaky phenomena, you know what I'm saying? Like it it, right. it, it looked like you shouldn't be outside, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> you know, just words of the wise, you know. And I've noticed the benefit of being inside and practicing things at in the aftermath because you see the aftermath around you, where people were outside, you know, enjoying and doing those types of things. So. Um, you know, once you practice this long enough, you definitely see the benefits and the rewards from observing certain pr- certain principles. 
Yeah, man, I couldn't imagine like, you know, leaving the club, walking out the club and looking, and then it just get dark and real quick. Blood, red moon, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Right? And, and here's the thing. If you got somebody on your arm, you might want to be careful, right? Because the next couple months might be a roller coaster ride with that one, right? It's oh, be real man. careful, right? Yeah, man, I ain't yeah. trying to see none of that. <laughs> and then add the liquor, right, to the equation and whatever else we do, right? That's a, yeah. that's a heck of a night. <laughs> oh yeah, man. That's a <laughs> yeah. That'd be one for the history books. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, I mean, you know, with that being said, man, let's go ahead and jump into it. You know, um, you know, I um, labeled the show um, the difference between Western and Vedic slash sidereal astrology part one um, because we're gonna in, you know intro into a topic. That I've I've seen people kind of try to like, you know, re, you know, create their own little thing for this in Western astrology, but I, I haven't really seen it really systemized and you know formulated into an actual you know like a hardcore you know um, part of the Western tropical astrology system. Um. And uh, what I'm talking about is remedial, you know, avenues. You know, I mean, we, we've sat here and we've talked, you know, for, you know, tens and tens of episodes of all the different, you know, um, assets and liabilities going on in different people's charts. And, you know, we spoke on some of our own charts and stuff like that. Um, you know, but the thing that we haven't really touched on that much is, what do you do about it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do you just, you know, do you just sit there and watch the the car crash in slow-mo and, <laughs> you know, or is there, you know, is there something that you can, um, you know, maybe do to, you know, maybe lighten the blow or, you know, is, is there something there, you know? And just from my experience in dealing with people, um, I haven't really seen that something that's really addressed in Western astrology is usually a heady approach. You know, like we do that sometimes. That's just a nice, safe, neutral way of saying, you know, hey, you know, you might want to just kind of take it easy during this time. You know what I'm saying? But there's actual, um, real actual remedies and techniques and different things out there that you could be applying when you have certain, you know, um, deficiencies rolling around in your chart. Or whatnot, you know. I remember one time I was talking to a brother who's actually a sidereal astrologer, but he's a Western sidereal astrologer. So the those remedies doesn't follow over in that type of system. And we were talking about that we were talking about, but I, you know, he was asking about, you know, um, someone with, you know, Mars afflicted or different things like that, or a woman having a heavy martial type of disposition. And I've, you know, mentioned that, you know. Um, some people say wear pearls <laughs> or, you know, different things like that. And then he just was like, oh, really? It just blew his mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? As far as like, I never even thought about including it, you know, those type of things in that or whatnot. So, um, you know, um, today we're going to talk about, we're going to introduce the idea of remedies in astrology. And, you know, we're, you know, we, we, we you know, there's, there's it's a huge huge, huge area 
of the system. It's a lot of different things. There's a lot of different techniques and stuff like that. So uh, today, um, we're gonna give you give you a good bit, but it's it's only gonna scratch the surface or whatnot. What you think, Rob? Yeah, definitely. You know, this will be a series where we'll explore, you know, some of those different um, items that you can to, can employ to try to um, assist karma, right? As far as the best outcome is concerned. And so we yeah. can only assist. We can't necessarily change. But, um, you know, one of the things that I found extremely um, striking about this system is the ability to utilize things that can change or alter the subconscious structure of a being or a person. And what we do with regards to trying to assuage or trying to um, cut back on the malefic effects in our, in our destiny is that when, you know, those effects are there so that we can learn certain valuable lessons and gain Mm -hmm. understandings from experience. But the thing is, is that, you know, once you begin to become aware of those issues and it's brought to your attention, a lot of times that's really what the universe wanted in the first place is for you to be attentive, for you to be mindful and aware of these things that have been placed in your destiny to give you a certain understanding. Yeah. Once you are aware of that understanding, you know, once you become cognizant of this, you know, challenge, for example, let's use an example, you know, um, a person with Mars in a uh, compromised position many times will have what we would consider anger issues, right? Uh, You know, Mars is the planet of action. And when Mars is situated with a hair trigger, a lot of times that action can come out in a haphazard or a very uh, destructive way. And so, you know, you know, that karma, you know, comes out before you're aware of it, where it does a lot of damage to, you know, family, friends, you know, loved ones. And so, you know, the person gets the feedback from society, from the people around them that, hey, something is wrong. And when the astrologer steps in, usually we address that karma very specifically and say, you know, this is something that has caused obviously some some troubles in your life. And here's some of the things that, you know, we can look at as far as taking care of that issue. It doesn't necessarily get rid of the um out the negative recompense or the negative feedback from the universe, what it, what it does is it puts you on notice, right? It says, now you've been made aware. So when you go back and look and the astrologer provided he's competent, can point out issues to say, you know what? When you were in this period, this particular thing happened where you bullied or you abused or took advantage of X person. And the person yeah. usually will say yes, right? We explore that in a karmic perspective to understand that your subconscious programming has to be changed. The needle has to be lifted. And those things are done through the practices of what we call upayis. And that's spelled U-P-A-Y-E-S or what some would consider remedies. Yeah. 
And so when we, you know, begin to assist in rewriting or restructuring the subconscious, right, the spirit, then we have the opportunity to create a space in which we can interject new behaviors and new patterns to now nudge or slightly, right, change or channel the karma in a more positive and healthier direction. Yeah. And so I, I, I make that, I say that as a premise so that people don't think that these particular techniques or apayus can change or erase negative karma. It doesn't. What it does is allows you to see it and to interact with it from a more uh, plastic and malleable perspective. So another example, if that same person comes and he's married or she's married, and now there is a, a process where we can interject some of these techniques to now stop and circumnavigate those behaviors with the wife, with the children, mm -hmm. with the community, family. Now there's a space between the behavior. Now the device that we're going to devices or techniques or things that we're going to talk about have a way to change or become a, a reminder to alter your behavior, to change uh, your karma. Because karma is only an extension of your behavior and behavior is only an extension of your mentality or your thinking. Yeah. Like, so what, what, one thing yeah, I think about that is like, you might see somebody's chart and see what's happening at a time period to be like, you know, there's a, you know, strong, you know, possibility for some domestic violence or something like that in your situation. Of course, if you know ahead of time, you might steal the the uh, aggression or the, you know, that that environment might still come upon you. You might feel that, but. You know, the, the, the actual domestic violence, you might be able to mitigate that. You might be able to, you'll, be, you'll have what you need to know to sidestep that aspect of it, even though there might be a bit of a conflict, a difference in there. But because of you knowing what's coming, you, you'll be able to check it to the point to where it doesn't go to that extent, even though the table could be set for something like that to occur. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's just many ways this can be used. You know, people many times in their karma um, have it to where when they travel to foreign places, they're mm -hmm. due a certain set of experiences that is warranting them to pay more attention to certain factors in their life, especially around that given time or with certain given people. Yeah. And so they might travel. We can see that travel as being something that would be somewhat um, obstacle oriented, right? Mm. An obstacle course, and we can do certain things to give that person certain um, um, items that will not necessarily stop or change, but at least assist and allow doors to open where they would normally be closed. Yeah. So, uh, and I've seen it firsthand when you travel and you have certain things in practice and in play, right? These things miraculously right <laughs> go right right so yeah um 
one of the things that we use, right, and the most common, and the one that many times apparently requires the least work is gemstones, right? Mm-hmm. Called ratnas, right? R A T N A, right? Ratna. This is the name for uh, this that particular a gem in India or in Sanskrit. So when we talk about gemstones, right? Gemstones are a nice way, right, to try to add in or correct certain energetic patterns within one's karma, one's uh, aura. And, you know, people don't get it that, because I've, you know, I've studied a lot of different techniques as far as gemstones are concerned. And you hear different, you hear different uh, experiences, right? Some people will say, I put the gemstone on and right when I put the gemstone on, I got a phone call, right? Mm -hmm. About uh, a deal I was trying to close. That's happened. Yeah. Right. And some people get it. And it's all, well, you know, I noticed I got a raise at work or, you know, I, my, my daughter, you know, ended up getting accepted into a certain position or a certain college, small things like that. And I would sit there and I'd be like, well, why the results between, you know, cause gemstone is a gemstone provided is, per, you know, prescribed correctly. That's one of the major things that create problems in gemstones is the prescription of a gemstone. It's not in just a walk by, Hey, put this ring on and, you know, see you later. Right. Uh, for example, person with an Aries or say Scorpio ascendant, let's even say Scorpio ascendant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the word is you're supposed to wear, you know, the Scorpios have the ability to wear red coral. But if that particular planet is debilitated, red coral will be the worst planet, I mean, worst gemstone in the world to prescribe for a Scorpio ascendant with Mars debilitated. That would inflame that particular person's disposition and create a even more sensitive hair trigger with regards to the Mars placement. Yeah. So that, that would be, and the standard quote unquote rule is you can wear the gemstone of your ascendant. That is not always true. So you have to be very careful in what you prescribe on what someone can wear, right? A lot of times people want to wear diamond, right? Because it's a very attractive, quote unquote, stone, and it has certain properties that people find alluring. Many people, when I say many, a lot of people aren't able to wear diamond as a gemstone. And you probably, people have probably heard us say this on the show before, but diamond can create more problems than you would bet if you have a person that has a planetary placement that is compromised with Venus or Venus doesn't do well because Venus is the planet that rules diamond. You know, I, I, I think diamonds is a good example to get people to wrap their head around just the concept of use, utilizing gemstones for this purpose. Cause if, I mean, if you've seen somebody, you know, you, you say they iced out now, they got all the, 
they they act different. You know what I'm saying? If you got you got you a nice shiny piece on and stuff like that, it kind of it changed <laughs> it changed the way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How you how you feel at that moment? Other the other gemstones have that same impact. It's just that most people right. wear nowadays. Everybody wear diamonds, so you get that that right. diamond effect, you know, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. bling, you know what I mean? Like boom, I'm here. <laughs> You're right. You're right, and that bling bling, right, causes several. Imp- I mean, think about it from let's let's just use an example, right? Let's say your Sagittarius ascendant. Yeah. Sagittarius ascendant, right, has Venus ruling the sixth house of disease, enemies, and debt, and the eleventh house of gains, social interactions, social interactions, and elder siblings. And wearing that gemstone many times for Sagittarius ascendants can bring many conflicts around not only their marriage, right? Because usually it can create an opportunity for infidelity. Mm-hmm. Infidelity? What do you mean, Rob? How infidelity? Because the planet Venus, for Sagittarius Ascendant, rules the sixth house. And the sixth house is the house of divorce, usually through infidelity or cheating. So that would be a gemstone that would create havoc in an individual's chart that's situated as a Sagittarius ascendant, unless, of course, it's placed extremely well and supported by the overall chart. So for Sagittarius ascendants, many times, diamond is the worst planet, worst gem to wear. Same thing for Scorpio ascendants, right? Mm-hmm. Scorpio ascendants have Venus ruling the seventh house of marriage, long-term commitments and promise, and the twelfth house of escape, bed pleasures, right, and expenditure. So many times a Scorpio will wear this gem and wonder why the twelfth house of loss took away their mate, the seventh house. Mm -hmm. Right? Especially if Venus is in a position that is not supported as far as the the uh, placement is concerned. So, you know, these are, and there's more to it than that. I mean, these are just very general examples, but again, right, gemstones are a phenomenal way to boost the overall auric output of an individual. But if your aura is weak, if you don't have enough chi to run through the gemstone, right, and gemstones, again, it's a science that cannot be heated. They can't be treated, right? They have to be cut in a certain way. They have to touch the skin, right? So, you know, picking a gemstone even is not even easy. They have to have a certain weight. All those things come to play. And we're going to explore more of those things in a show specifically focused on just gems, right? Just yeah. rottenness, just things that we can look at to show how those things work in some in some degree as far as real-time astrology is concerned. We're going to use some charts even to show, right, what that looks like. So, you know, gemstones is a great way to uh, to assist, right, in the karmic kind of output of an individual 
Um, and it's one that I have not found in the West to be very um, efficacious. You know, they a lot of times will say where you're the gemstone of your birth month or what have you, right? I, I hear a lot of that. And that's some probably one of the worst things you could do, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, number one, you don't even know where your son is placed according to the Western positions. <laughs> so you're going to wear a gemstone that's not even really built for who you are in regards to your, your birthday. So, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, it's a lot that people take for granted with regards to these gemstones. It is a it is a science and one should be taught how to use those to really get the best bang for your buck because they're not cheap either. Oh, <laughs> right? No. right. Not you a good know, quality, no. Not a good quality, Jim. They're not gonna come, you know, just dropping in your lap. You have to really know what you're looking for and know where to get them. So, you know, gemstones is one of those easy, quote unquote, simple type of um opportunities to use a force or something that that something that that force has registered itself in as far as the um mineral kingdom is concerned and try to use that to uh, again boost or influence or help uh some of the orc things that we're dealing with as far as uh, our cheese is concerned again gemstones another thing is good for health right health ailments health issues gemstones are great when you find people with um, challenge positions and those things that come with that regarding uh, the body. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, gemstones, again, great way to really understand the difference between what Western astrology brings to the table and what we bring to the table. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is one that is not tied exclusively to Jotish or astrology because it's used outside of this particular, you know, um, set of ideas. But it is one that, put it to you like this, you know, some people just begin to chant mantras and hakao at w willy nilly, right? Uh, at any time, any given way. Right, and they think that it's going to have some type of profound effect or change, and it may even have some impact. Definitely can do that, but to really get the ring that you're looking for, the sound that you're trying to get out of that particular whole process, the the results mantra is to be prescribed, and it's a very specific way. Right. The good thing about mantras, it's free. Right, <laughs> it doesn't cost you a dime. Right, accept your time and energy to sit down and to begin to relate to the forces that are behind those mantras. But the thing that mantras have behind them is a key. And many astrologers, even in Jyotish or in Western in um, Vedic astrology, don't they'll give you a mantra, but they won't give you the key. And the key comes from understanding the inner meanings of what those forces are that you're dealing with. And that is not something that you get from reading a book. It's not something you get from um, uh, word of mouth. It's actually something you get from practicing and applying certain things to gain insight about what those forces are in your own life and in others. So it's a key that you get that you have to really garner. A teacher can point the way but we can never give it to you. It has to be gained from, from within. And 
the best ones that are given, the best keys that are given, the pointers are, are ones that really point back to your own personal chart about how you're supposed to use the mantra. Right? Mantras are syllabic, right? Meaning they have syllables. So those mantras are prescribed based on the placement, the house placement, the nakshatra placement, different placements that call in or call forth certain syllables to be vibrated based on what you're doing with that mantra. So it's not just you read one and it's over. Yeah. Um, but mantras, to my recognition, recognition and, and experience are the most powerful remedy. And the reason why I say that is because this is when you begin to, when you understand the key to the mantra. And it can be, it can be given to someone that, in other words, you can give it to them through the understanding of their chart, but they go do the work to gain the, uh, the inner access to it. No one can do that. No guru, no sage. I don't care what they tell you. They cannot chant enough for you to learn, for you to learn a lesson. That does not the way it works. And the crazy part about it is that in India, you have people that will do that. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like, it's just like, um, and I and I mean, mean this in the utmost respectful way, but it's very similar to how we see, you know, um, some of the traditional West African um, spiritual systems practiced today. And it's funny that, you know, I mean... Um, Vedic, you know, uh, and the, you know, uh, Hindu teachings and different things like that doesn't have that stigma. But I mean, for all practical purposes, it's, it's, it's almost approached the same way. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like you go to the guru and get this and get, you know, it's just, <laughs> they do a ritual for you and hand you your stones. And you never, and 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 you never go empty handed. Yeah. You never go empty handed. <laughs> when you read, when you study Ifa, right? You never go empty-handed. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean you come with a whole heap, but you never go just saying, hey, man, hook me up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you yeah. don't go to the guru. It's not to the Dharma, right? Mm. Also known as Hinduism. You never go to the guru empty-handed. You bring some flowers. You bring some food. Because, to see, the guru doesn't, he doesn't get paid, right? The guru in India, he works for free. For all intents and purposes, right? So, you know, he's pretty much a, I don't know, a beggar, but he works by charity, right? And you go empty handed, that was, you know, that's, that was frowned upon, right? And it's interesting, like you said, in both traditions, right? That is how it's done. Yep. Right? Message, but nonetheless, right? You know, you really understand that mantras are very powerful signs just alone. Not to say out just outside of Jyotish, they're powerful. Right? Yeah. When done properly, they can rewire and restructure the brain. Right? They can change the subconscious structure of the mind so that now you're seeing something for what it is and you're able to actualize the karma that's due to you at that time. A lot of people think that mantras will change to something for good. A lot of times it will change something for bad, then good. Mm -hmm. For example, let's say that a woman right, is in a relationship and she is in abuse and abusive relationship. And I give her a mantra. That mantra is going to usually separate the person from the relationship because of the abuse. If the person is not willing to go and get make, have the changes 
make the changes as far as the abuse is concerned. They separate and it's painful. But once the mantra is completed and the action is done, the person feels so much more at, at peace, right? Then they begin to get the benefits of the mantra because now whatever was in the way of the, the energy that was supposed to come has been removed and the subconscious structures are aligned to be able to receive the new thing that's coming. That's the benefit of what these do. They are much more powerful than gemstones. Oh, yeah. Right. Mantras work better than gemstones and it's free. Right. <laughs> so go figure to go buy a nice little pretty, you know, ring and, you know, something put on your neck or what have you versus sitting down for 108 reps. Right. For so many times, so many periods, so much period of time or a thousand eight reps or 10,008 reps, whatever is required. Right. To turn on or turn off certain brain or neural connections and spiritual pathways. That's what mantras do. They turn off and turn things on. Right. So, you know, very powerful remedy. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to have a a nice little um, episode on, you know, mantras, meaning from the perspective of applying them to um, redirect energy, karmically speaking. Right. Um, And again, all of these are integrated. Right. So, Mantras go with the gemstones. There's a mantra you say when you put the gemstone on. Right? So there's a day and time that you put the gemstone on with the mantra. So it's not that they're separate. They're actually used in tandem. Beautiful system. Beautiful system. Right? Then, getting deeper into how this works... Each one of the particular, what we call uh, planetary energies, netters, rishas, whatever your vernacular is, right, has a shape and pattern that is associated with it. They're called yantras. Yantras, yeah. Right. And, you know, yantras are... uh, there's many types of yantras. Let's just say that, right? Um, Almost like veves. There, is, there are veves, in fact. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, I mean, I mean, you've seen the systems are just so close. You know what I mean? It's phenomenal, right? It literally is phenomenal that they have some similar patterns. You're right. Yeah. Veves and yantras are almost the purpose of them are almost identical. Because you're calling up some forces that you need to have at your disposal or to be inculcated. Yeah. Perfect correlation, perfect correlation. But, you know, yantras um, uh, are of different nature. You have things that are called mandalas, right? But here's the thing. Your chart is a yantra. Go figure. Yeah. Right? Right. Your chart is a yantra. So if I create your chart and I just strip it away and start making a pattern, you can see it's it, your life is constructed out of a pattern. And what I what my students are learning and level my level two students they just got through learning aspects. You know, when you look at a chart, you see all the lines connecting, right? Those are like neural pathways. Those are like pathways that are interlocked, interlaced, and make the and pretty much create the person as to who they are, right? So that 
chart is like a yantra. You can literally see patterns that are designed in it. And here's the thing. Those charts that are more symmetrically patterned are the ones that are actually powerful. So like planets in one, four, the fourth, fourth, seventh, or tenth house, all of them, that's a yantra because it creates like a square. Or planets that are in one, five, and nine, which creates a trine or a triangle, mm-hmm. right? Or planets that are in the three, seventh, and eleventh, which creates an upside down triangle. Say, Those are the, patterns. Those the, are shapes. <laughs> It's the, it's the, it's it. Right, it's right. The exactly. Right, whatever that is, right? <laughs> right. I was making, you right. know, Jay, but, Jay, you know Jay, Rockefeller. You know, uh, and, rock. and you know what? <laughs> I think he's got the 3711 in there, doesn't he? Right? Yeah. I think he got uh, the 3711 in there, right? I think so, yeah. Right. Third 711th house, right? Got this set. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, patterns <laughs> in the destiny. Yeah. You know, yantras. <laughs> You're a walking yantra. You're a walking mantra. Mm-hmm. So, you know, taking I mean, those we, things into consideration. We talked about it in um one example in uh, Kamala Harris's chart and her name relative her name, to Kamala. <laughs> Man. It's a vibra it's a it's a mantra. Yeah. They that's in fact, glad, glad you said that. Because they take the they take the vowel syllable vowels of each one of the nakshatras and create your name from that sound vibration, which literally vibrates you. Yeah. You know? So the science of this particular or the application of these sciences is is far and, and vast. I mean, yantras are plentiful. There's more than just planetary yantras, by the way. There are hundreds of yantras, right? Some yantras go directly. In fact, most yantras go directly with a mantra. Yeah. It's uh, a book over here. The, uh, the um, Dasha Mahavidya's 10 Great Cosmic Powers. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All Let's of them teach. have yantras and mantras. Yep. Right? They have colors. Right? Which is another therapy that is kind of uh, used with Vedic astrology to some degree. You you know, before we get into colors, because we're going to tie colors into something else that's used within the context of this uh, this structure. But, you know, when you understand colors, you know, there's a book, I can't remember the name of the book, but there's a book that really talks about the power of color. Really like, Really, clinically speaking, I think it's called the principles of color. I try to maybe I can recall the name by the end of the show, right? But in the book, they show very specific clinical, documented uh, examples of how color affects people. You know, we take color for granted because it's something that we just see every day, and it we don't think that it has really any bearing, but it does. Yeah. Right? You know, color is a very powerful indicator of what we think, feel, and how we act. You know, when people wear colors, one color I never wear, two I never combine is red and black. I never do, right? But you know, yeah. it's strange. I've noticed when people come in that those vibrational patterns, something comes with them that tells me something about what they're bringing. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. No, I have. Absolutely. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. 
Yeah, so, I know, I know. you know, what? And I, I noticed somebody made, made a comment about sigils. Sigils are a little different mm-hmm. in that sigils are created from a letter play, right? And letter plays don't necessarily have – see, yantras are shape-oriented, and they, they have a pattern that has a specific effect on the brain, right? Sigils are just like to say if I wanted to – you know, buy a house. And let's say the house I wanted is on um, Spruce Street. So I would just take all the vowels out of Spruce and just leave with the, the consonants and then make a design out of those particular consonants into a pit, into some type of shape, right? That's what a sigil is. And sigils are a Western magic attempt at things. It may work for some people. I'm not saying it doesn't. But I'm just giving an address to that. It's a little different than what we mean by yantras, right? Or things that are um, evoke um, certain energies out of shape. You know, shape when we're talking about squares, rectangles, you know, dots, right? Very specific things that call attention to certain areas of the brain that lock you in, right? Yantras are almost like it's a, it's a meditation. So you're locking yourself into a specific pattern and vibrating with that pattern with the mantra, with the colors, right, of the particular force or entity that you're dealing with. Now, within the context of color, right, and color is real easy because each netter, each planet has a particular color that's associated with it. That's the easy part. But the color is tied into a vaster approach in this science called Vashtu, right? And me and Harut have been looking at Vashtu date. Right, because Vashtu is a very it's the it's the uh the Indian version of feng shui. Yeah. And actually it's older than feng shui, in fact. Um a lot of the sciences, including acupuncture, uh, uh, uh feng shui were all done in India prior to anything done in China. Uh you uh, have the acupuncture points. The Bodhidharma, the, yeah. yeah. Brought it with him. Yeah, so you have acupuncture points in China. You have marma points in India, right? Like this is a point in India, right? Just the third eye, right? Same thing is a point in China, right? So mm-hmm. you call it Ajna, Ajna in India and Ying Tang in China. Same point, right? So when you begin to understand this, right, there's a correlation, obviously, but Vashtu right, is a science that uses shapes, colors, right? They even use gemstones in the home, right? So remember when I said these sciences are interexchangeable. That's how you know you have a complete system. You know, a great man once said, you'll know when you're dealing with something that's of value when it's a complete system in and of itself. It doesn't need anything else. Yeah. And so, you know, this system is airtight in that Vashtu teaches you how to place your bed for optimal sleeping, where to place your couch, what to have in the center of your home, what types of plants you should have, um, certain things around the house that you should have, certain type of bushes, all those things, just like feng shui, right? They include certain living arrangements to for better outcome as outcomes as far as your chi is concerned or your prana 
Um, so, cities are cities are even designed <clears throat> based absolutely. on Vosh too. Whole cities, right? And India has issues of its own. We know that, yeah. but they're far more in advance than many other nations in that they do have access to world to nuclear power and things that most African nations are still catching up to to this day. So you know, just showing the the applications and how they're integrated and they can also be used, you know, separate, but they also can be used in an integrated way. So Vashtu is a science that really is a very powerful one. Um, certain things hanging from your windows, um, just all kinds of different things that we use to implement a more uh, fluidic, energetic household. Um, and that's just one application. Right. And in that, they even use yantras in the house. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's just integrated. It's just a holistic approach to, you know, to the science of the stars and, and trying to find some type of assistance in some of the challenges we have from knowing what those karmic outplays are. Um, another thing that we do that is, um very easy to a degree but does require for you to move beyond your ego and that's one of the things that astrology and spiritual teachings really try to get you to get to understand is just to get a hold of your ego not to say kill it but just control it subdue it put it into some framework and so one of the things that does that is charity now, I, charity is a science with this. And here's the spe here's the thing I want people to consider with charity. It goes both ways. You know, when you help someone, helping someone should be strategic. It should be well thought out. It should be not done, shouldn't be done from an emotional gratification process. Right? It should be done from a very spiritualized and karmically aware space. Example, many times you see us, you know, see people giving food and clothing to people, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's all what you're supposed to do. But when you begin to enable, that's where the thin line comes in. Enabling someone's habit, conditioning, appetites, addictions, that is dangerous. See, you, you, we, we take it because, well, I, I meant well. Just because you meant well doesn't mean you do well. If you, how would you feel? How would someone feel? How would I, my person, and this is what I think about when I give, how would I feel if I gave that man $20 and I came back the next day and he was dead? See, we perceive lack or scarcity as something that is negatively affecting someone. It can, but sometimes the scarcity is there and is designed to teach the person to look elsewhere. That what you're doing in this area isn't giving you the return that you're seeking. So when we do charity, we do charity in a way and such that we prescribe the charity for very specific purposes and intents. 
behind what it is that you're dealing with. For example, let's go back to that Mars debilitation of the person with the Scorpio ascendant. This person would do well in assisting or giving charity to those in battered women's shelters. Mm-hmm. Right? Say, so that's not in the book. It's not. Not meant to be in the book because the karma is supposed to be the the influence of the, the upaya or the remedy is supposed to affect the karmic pattern. So it'll tell you to go give 17 crows 50 seeds of black black seeds, right? I'm going to tell you, go give 17 individuals in a homeless shelter, right, that have black on those same thing or give them the equivalent of in something they can use, mm-hmm. right? Because now the karma is being fulfilled, not through some bird or some crow, but through people that are in a position that are that is warranting them to receive help from sources that that they have been humbled by meaning that they've been humbled so now they have to have an open arm in receiving those particular assistances the ego has been killed or at least put not killed but put into a box so that the person can now see life for what it is that's who you help right that's who you give the karmic a, a residual to that you're trying to shave off the negative to turn into a positive. Once you do that type of charity, then your karma will change because you're going to be talking and interacting with people that have the same conditionings as you. Right? So charity underneath this particular uh, application is not just something you just go do. It's very specific. You know, you give, let's say if it's Jupiter, right? And I would say, hey, why don't you write a check to, let's say, a Saraset Society for $1,000? Or it could be uh, 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 Ifa or anybody that has a group that's trying to do something. If it's a Jupiter problem, many times you can go and give that to particular amount, depending upon what's going on, to that particular group. And the karma will right, somewhat lift. There's, there's a, um, a teaching um, or a branch of uh, yoga um, called bhakti yoga, and um, a lot of times they, you know, talk about, you know, um, a lot of the temples, you know, famous temples in in India were built by people fulfilling that, by by you know, right. you know they, that, that that was part of like their karma to to, to build that build temple, temple for the, for their guru. Mm-hmm. For, or for that for that for that uh principle yeah right mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised how many people it helps how many people come through or advise gifted you know because the karma now is shifting and you learn by seeing that action seeing those that that outcome right it changes your heart it changes your mind so you know charity is a big thing that we use in um in you know remedies or upayas and it's not free but the gift that you receive is f- the understanding that you receive is far more than you can even give in any type of monetary value is what you receive is is priceless so you know that's another way that we apply you know 
things that help, things that open your mind to look at things from a different perspective. You may talk to somebody that has the same issue and they may. Hold on one second, brother. I think we lost you for a quick sec. One sec. Maybe uh, try to come out, come back in, something like that. We'll do a real quick, real quick, quick intermission, real quick. What not? Give us a moment. Peace, 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 peace. All right, now we back cooking. All right, go on. So, the next thing that we get into is um, fasts, right? Fasting. I want to say fasting. It, you know, it's not just fast, right? It's for a very specific purpose. It's done in a very specific way. At a very at a very specific time, right? For a number of specific days. So when we give you a fast, or for example, let's say Venus, let's say you're having issues in relationships. Let's say Venus is challenged in your chart. Or let's say even the seventh lord, right? You say Venus for the seventh lord, because Venus can many times be the it is the indicator. For relationships, but we also would look at the planet that governs that particular house as well. But let's just say Venus is the one that we need to deal with. And so Venus fasts are done on Fridays, right? They're done when the moon is traversing either Taurus or Libra, right? They're also done when Venus is in specific positions for the person's chart. So Venus is transiting certain houses, right? 
we may give a Can't hear you. Cut out again. Hey, y'all, you know, this is, you know, we do, we using, you know, all the technology and everything like that. So it don't work perfect. So you bear with us for a minute. You know, Mercury just, uh, Mercury just went retrograde. So here we go. <laughs> Try it again. Try try coming out and coming out and coming back in again. Still not here. Let's try it now. Uh, I think we got you now. We can hear you now, Tef. Peace, 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 peace. We good. We good. Boom. All right. I just had to re. I just had to unplug it and plug it back in. We should be good. All right. Okay. Cool. Appreciate so let's get you this done. So, right. Sticking in there. Appreciate the patience. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, you know, fasts are uh, something that we we have prescribed. And so in the fasting, right, it's a, it's a way to separate, right, from the thing that you're dealing with to observe it from an objective point of view. So, you know, Jupiter can be our faith. It can be our belief systems. It can be our relationship with, with the Supreme being. It's, it can be how we share, right? All of those things are what Jupiter facilitates. It can be our relationship with our children, right? Those are themes that we would address during the fast to make sure that you are looking at those things from a very spiritual and holistic perspective during the fast. So it's not you just not just that you sit there and you don't eat anything. There is something, there are things that you do that are specific to bring attention to those things that you're having troubles with. You know, and a lot of times we'll do several remedies at once, meaning. We will have them wear the gemstone while they perform the charity. Before they form the charity, they do the mantra of that particular force and after, right? Mm-hmm. And they observe a fast while they're doing it. 
that is when you begin to really call in and harness all of them in a holistic way to bring complete utter focus and attention on that particular part or aspect of our spirit to gain another foothold or higher level of understanding so that we can maneuver it and manage it. That is the way it's done in the best, most effective way. You can use them singly, but the real approach is to use them in concert to try to laser beam what it is that you're dealing with and really make an impactful change. Um, Almost not to say overnight, but you know, sometimes it is overnight, depending on how things go. Um, the last thing that we do, you know, that we touch upon um, is what we call baths, right? And baths are done um, in a very ritualistic, um, meditative, deliberate, and emotionally centered way, right? So that you can, the baths are not just to go in take a bath and say a few words and, you know, you know, it's something of a ritual, right? Something of a ritual. And so that bath is there to take you, and baths, it depends, right? Baths are not something that we prescribe very often because baths are a lighter kind of version or application of a remedy, right? It has to be something that is low level type of right challenge or issue, but it is something that we we do use. And so, you know, it's something that, um, you know, can be applied and it is is very cost effective. It has to be performed in a certain way and it has to be given by someone in a, in a very specific priestly position. But it's not as costly as, let's say, the gemstone. And it's strange that all of these seemingly are less expensive than the gemstone. So you would figure that the gemstone with the least amount of power costs the most. Right. So keep that in mind. The yeah. last thing we do, right? The last thing we do are called homas, right? Or rituals. Some people call them homas because, you know, like they have the fire ceremony where take and they throw certain items into a uh, a pit that consumes and burns. And the homas are done by priests. You can do a homa by yourself because homas are can be done at home. But most of the time in India, homas are done through priests and they'll pay the priest uh, a very handsome fee. Now, now homas different from mantras. You can do the, you can pay them to do See, when you do a homa, the homa really has you participate in, you know, or observe, not necessarily participate, but observe the homa. So that you're, and homas take about two to four hours to do, right? They're not just something, you know, they're not rituals. You just, you know, put some music on and, you know, get jiggy with it. They're very specific. There's mantras that are said. There's specific times that is done. Um, specific clothing that the priest wears, specific type of foods that are offered, all very specific and all very costly. Homas mm-hmm. are costly, right? Maybe not as expensive as, let's say, a five-carat sa- blue sapphire, <laughs> right? But, you know, um, still costly because you have to pay for all these items and you have to give donation to the uh, the, the temple that the priest is operating out of. Now, yeah. that's that's... 
you know, that's a home and that's a traditional fire ceremony where, you know, they're doing things in your behalf, your honor, and it does work. However, right. You know, ritual is not just done in a prescribed way. There's rituals that can be done that really can change your, your spirit, right? Change who you are in regards to your relationship to the force that you're dealing with. And that's where African rituals I have seen become effect, efficacious in getting certain certain things done for the spiritual outcome of a person that has some issues. So rituals, I don't want you to think that when we say homas, at, that's not the only ritual. Homa is a type of ritual. But when I say ritual, I mean the entirety of ritualistic practice, meaning you do it in a very reverent, specific time-oriented fashion that does assist or aid you into changing your mentality and thinking, that is another way that you can support or help negative karma or not support or help it, but to deal with it in in an effective way. And so those are primary, those are the primary ways that we use um, opayas or remedies to, again, change the subconscious patterning to overcome any type of karmic debtor issues that might be in the chart. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, man, I think that that's a definitely good installment of this little, you know, mini series within the series or whatnot to really kind of, you know, see the differences and how um, just the science is applied and then all the different, you know, other elements that go along with it and stuff like that or whatnot, you know. But um, as always, this episode was brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group, Calaprusha Astrology, and our good people over there on Patreon. Big up to y'all. Big up to y'all. Big up to y'all. Um, Brother Rod, you got anything you want to say before we go ahead and officially um, get out of here? Uh, no, this was a nice, succinct episode. Be looking for the further uh, podcast that we're going to be covering some of these remedies in a greater depth and detail. So be looking out for that. Um, also, uh, you know, just spread the word, spread the message, tell your you know family, friends, and so forth about the show. We definitely want to see it grow during this season. This is going to be a, an informative jam-packed information uh jam-packed season as far as information is concerned so definitely you know put it out there you know share it with your friend share it with somebody that you think would definitely uh, benefit from exploring uh the science of these sciences so uh with that being said i just want to say i appreciate everybody showing up at this late hour and bearing with us through the tech during the technical difficulties indeed 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 so that being said um, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Another great episode. Let everybody be safe out there, and we're out. Peace. Peace.